Were you ever allowed to have Frosties? Uh, probably, but I don't, I don't recall ever liking them. I had Fruit Loops. Did you like them? Oh, as a kid, I just liked the colours. I, I ate remember my there eyes. Was, there were all these cereals that I was never allowed, so therefore wanted desperately. Yeah. <laughs> Every other day it's like Wheat Bix Nuts or Corn Flakes maybe. But yep. on holidays you can have, we get like the variety pack. Oh, you could splash out and on I holidays. Had to split, split a box of uh, yep. a variety pack box how, with my sister. How freaking exciting is a variety pack? Even if you don't happen to like a normal size box of those cereals, mm. just a variety pack. Yeah. Like the choice, you get overwhelmed by but choice. But there was always like yeah, but the an last three brand in there. Yeah, <laughs> the, yeah. Last, the last three days of a variety pack are duds. Sustain. <laughs> no, like cornflakes. Yeah. Guardian. <laughs> Guardian in there. You start with Fruit Loops, Cocoa Pops. Does Sustain still exist as a cereal? Yeah, I'm really out of touch when it comes to cereal. What? I can't believe you, it. You, <laughs> you left, you left uh, cereal in your 20s. Is that what you're I, don't, yeah, I don't eat cereal. What do you eat? What's your breakfast go to? I don't know. Bagel? No, I couldn't handle a bagel. It's no probably bagel, no bacon, no bagel. egg based, I guess. Egg based breakfast. Progressive Rugby League. for progressive rugby league we're deep in finals time and qualifiers oh it's all happening it's all happening pointy end pointy end how you going fellas i'm golden yeah i am super excited so thrilled yep i'm toasty golden as well i'm like uh perfectly crisp with excitement i'm all, i'm actually a bit sunburnt too <laughs> henson park es- escapades yesterday oh yeah right that's jono and big al they're the voices you hear there. And, you know, we said that we should probably, from time to time, just remind people of the pillars of Progressive Rugby League. In case we have new listeners, Jono, run us through those one more time. Yeah, sure. Well, progressive pillar number one is life is short, throw it around, yes. entertaining. That's right. right? That's, that's number one, on the field pillar. The off the field pillar is progressive pillar number two, which is what do you stand for? Yeah. What do you stand for? And... Are you putting in off the field? Yeah, exactly in, right. In the right direction. <laughs> and progressive pillar number three is rugby league is a ridiculously funny, humorous yeah. game. And embrace that. Let's not forget that. Yeah. So they're the three pillars. That's right. That's what we stand for here. And that's the lens that we look through all our rugby league matters with here on this podcast. Uh, we start off with some reflections of the week that's been. Who's going first there, fellas? I'll kick it off. Shall I? I've got two reflections, one from the Northern Hemisphere and one for the Southern. I'm going to start that in the North. That covers both hemispheres. That's right. I'm going to start in the North. And you've heard of the term Super Saturday, which covers you know NRL Saturdays, three games in a row. Mm. But forget about Super Saturday. It's all well and good. Because Saturday, the 22nd of September 2018, will forever be known as Superb. Saturday. And this was an amazing day where we had three championships, sorry, three championship teams beating three Super League teams in the space of a few hours. And not just any championship teams. These are the Progressive Rugby League dream teams. I'm surprised you're talking about this. This is, well, we'll go into the details later on. I'm joking, of course you'll be talking about this. This is the most amazing thing ever. You had... Toulouse beating Hull KR, you had Toronto beating Widnes, and you had London beating Salford. And I just thought, what a day. I, I woke up uh, my girlfriend very early on the Sunday morning. And she's <laughs> With like, a yelp? <laughs> I did. Honey, you'll never guess what. <laughs> That's pretty much what happened. She said, what's the matter? I said, oh, 
<laughs> I know you're not interested, but like to lose Olympique, just beat LKR. And she's like, honey, she said this with all sincerity. She, she, she doesn't love rugby league, but she cares deeply for me. She said, can you tell someone who cares? I said, I said, look, I'm not seeing Big Al for a few hours. Can you help me out? I did, I did think, well, I, I, the, the message came from you at about seven that morning. Yeah, yes, right. And I did think that was quite early for a, not that I complained, but for a rugby league related... Um, yeah, I was, I, was, I, was, I think I was that was busted. late for him. That was like, well, yeah, he would have been holding for, on. Thank you for, yeah. for waiting until... I was awake for a few hours, that's for sure. <laughs> so, look, it's just another reminder of the potential uh, for rugby league in the Northern Hemisphere there. If you can marry traditionalism with the right bold frontierism, then that's a marriage made in heaven. Mm. There was Toulouse, Toronto and London excelling on that Saturday. The old TTL. Amazing. Yeah. Mm. yeah now, my, my Southern Hemisphere reflection revolves around the Billy Slater issue. Mm. Now, as you know, ladies and gentlemen, you are probably listening to this podcast after the decision has been made whether he's playing or not. We record this on a Monday night. The decision's being made on Tuesday night. And this is all based on him being charged with a shoulder charge shoulder in charge. the elimination final on Friday night against That's the right. Sharks. So I'm going to make a bit of a prediction here. And feel free to get in touch and say I was wrong or I was right and make fun of me or cajole me, whatever you want. Just be gentle. I'm fragile. So, being a human being, human beings are funny animals. Am I right? Much like rugby league. That's right. I've been a human animal for 35 years. Okay, and if there's one thing I've learnt about the human animal, it's this. We can justify anything to ourselves. Yes. Okay, so sometimes in life, cards fall a certain way, and which makes people yearn or desperate for a certain outcome. And that means an objective truth just gets thrown out the window. I'll give you an example. Mm. A humble, an example of the humble murderer. Okay. <laughs> so, well, my, timey humble murder. <laughs> more often than not, murders occur because someone is so desperate for a certain outcome that they just cannot see the objective truth that A, murder's a bad idea, mm. and B, they're probably going to get caught. Mm. But I go ahead with it. Another example is the adulterer. The adulterer, they are the kings and queens of you know, justification, self justification. Yep. You know, what's the worst that can happen? And that ignoring the objective truth that it's a terrible idea mm. and B, things are about to get very messy. Yep. So I'm going to bring this around to the, the Billy Slater case. So Please. In, in the rugby league... <laughs> in your own time. <laughs> in the rugby league world, and I count myself in this case, everyone, pretty much everyone wants to see Billy Slater play. I'm one mm. of these people. Yes. I want to see him play so much that I cannot tell what the objective truth is. Because mm. I am convincing myself that there are factoids and technicalities and precedents out there that are going to mean that, yes, it makes absolute sense that Billy Slater should play. Yeah. I want to see him play. Well, I can't tell if that's an objective truth or not. My prediction is that the judiciary yeah. will be in my boat yeah. and they deep down they want to see him play and yeah. they will find reasons to let him play. Yeah, you're, yes. you're not... The only one in that boat, because mm. people are trying to convince themselves today that they can see his arm start to come up. That's right. In a tackle, <laughs> like please. Yeah. yeah, and it's not a shoulder charge; it's a shoulder collision. It's a collision that just happened to involve shoulders. <laughs> <laughs> Circumstantial yeah. shoulder charge. I think. I think you're right. I think he'll he'll get off. The, the the judiciary will do everything they can to to make that within the you know the, without blatantly just flouting the the rules or anything. Mm. I think if it wasn't his last game ever. He'd get a different result, yeah. but because mm. he's going to, re- this is his last yeah. game. He's going to retire. But as if the NRL 
needed more fodder for people to cry foul about <laughs> Melbourne favouritism. But, but they'll be like, the NRL will be stuffed either way. Like, if they let him off, like, yeah. oh, NRL, like, favouritism for the Melbourne Storm, of yeah. course. If they deny him, deny him the chance to play a grand exactly. final. I think there's last more, game ever. There's more outrageous. People. I'm done. I've had enough of this game. <laughs> I've finished. So, I mean, we, we shouldn't talk too much about it because by the time people listen to yeah, this. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Boring. That's so let's let's give a few predictions, and people can get in touch and say, "Hey, you were wrong. You were right." I'm saying he's going to get off. Yeah, I'm with you. He's getting off. Too Look, deep. I think it's likely he'll get off. But let me ask you this: Does uh, if Cronky can't play, mm. do do they go? Well, their best, Rooster's best players <laughs> out. Let's even it's up a little bit. They probably won't know about Cronky before then, but. To be fair, it looks like Cronky's out. Let's face facts. I mean, the, that injury, that's not a, what, six-day turnaround. That's no, like yeah. a surgery requiring. Right, okay. Um, he, a, a he, even he said, place. he goes, look, I'm a long shot. Okay. And Cooper Cronk, he, he's, he, he's a truthful man. Yeah. Mm. So, I, I think if, it's, if, if it means one thing, it probably spares us Cooper Cronk in a post-match interview with Darren Lockyer, because <laughs> that is hard to listen to. That is extremely hard to listen to. So they're my reflections. Northern, Southern Hemisphere. What about you, Big Al? Uh, so well, mine obviously uh, reflects on the couple of finals games we had last weekend. Mm. And I just wanted to put it out there and say, well done, rugby league-loving public, because the crowds were really, really good at both of them. So obviously we had a sellout at Allianz. Um, can't fit more people in than a sellout, so that was excellent. Mm. Uh, and the crowd at Melbourne was about 27,000, so just about 90% capacity, which... When you take into consideration there was a 100,000 attendance AFL game going on across the road at the yeah. same time, mm. I think that's just phenomenal. And again, it points to the strength of the Melbourne Storm, the mm. strength of Rugby League in Victoria, yeah. and the bloody good work that the admin of the Storm are doing to increase, to create buzz and yeah. publicity and popularity yeah. in that team. And people may... Melbournians want to love the Storm. Mm. I think that's the thing, isn't it? Definitely. I think I heard a, an anecdote that people in the Collingwood-Richmond crowd, mm. they heard the uh, fireworks go off across the road at Amy Park, and then someone yelled out, Go Storm! And then the whole crowd erupted yeah. into tears. So. Yeah, see, I heard that, but do you reckon that's true? Do you reckon that actually happened? <laughs> well, we both heard it. I mean, I heard the story. I, okay, I, well. well, I mean, if, you're, if you've got two tribes going to war, as it were, <laughs> there, mm. and they, they can find common ground over one thing... That they're all Melburnians and right. they all have one team in the league side of things. Yeah, and you've got to remember, Mel. I think Melburnians hate Sydney more than more, Sydney hates Melbourne. <laughs> more than they hate each other. <laughs> and more than they hate each other. So everyone, Sydney's a tall poppy in terms of Australian cities. Yeah. And everyone true. who lives outside of Sydney... Loves to take it down. Exactly. Yeah. Should we also add to those crowd figures you were giving... How many people were at Leichhardt for the uh, New South Wales Cup Grand Final? Well, there were 8,974 people there, That's which right. is two over the <laughs> official every week crowd of 8,972. Yeah, but it really, really makes you think. So, like... If they can only get two over the average Henson Park attendance for a grand final, well, that's pretty poor, isn't it? <laughs> it was a great day, wasn't it, Big? We were there. Yeah, it was I very good. Sunburnt. It was a very good, wonderful day. Um, not the uh, best result for me as a, as a Jets fan, mm. but still great result for like reserve-grade rugby league and, and suburban footy yeah. in Sunday afternoons. Yeah. It was a great vibe. Well, it proves our point from last week, doesn't it, really? What, what? was that? The, the playing the league on Sunday afternoons, right? Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah, yeah. absolutely. But it was a great day. A <laughs> relaxed... I'm sure we make that point every week, so I'm, yeah, I, I bet it's in there. <laughs> a relaxed atmosphere, lots of fans from Newtown, lots of fans from Canterbury Bulldogs, getting along fine, having a few beers. Yeah. The only thing, there was a bit of uh, consternation that there was only one beer queue open 
for the whole ground for 9,000 people, mm. which upset a few people. Now, do you think that was just they un, they severely under under forecast the crowd? Like, yes. Or they were just like, well, I really couldn't be bothered. Like, <laughs> these are the resources we've got. This is the cost. Yeah, the traffic to go to yeah, Dan yeah. Murphy's, I can't be <laughs> buying another five cases. Yeah, probably. No, but I think they underestimated probably because the last few years... I think last year it was Wentworthville versus whoever and the crowd it was, would have been pretty small. Uh, so they probably, they'd probably base it off that crowd and didn't realise, you know, hey, the Jets have a great following and people were very enthusiastic about it. Yeah. Was there a barbecue set up a la Henson Park with a white bread table next to it? No, no, no there was no official white bread purchase yeah. indication oh, okay. system. Wow. Um, it was it was just standard like an oval fare of pies, chips and those awful schnitzel sandwiches that are like just fried crumb with yeah, fat in the yeah. middle. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think you won't notice they've taken the chicken out of yeah. it. <laughs> and it, like, just, that it's all hidden under the flavour of that weird mayonnaise they put on top of it. <laughs> but the thing about that long beer line also, people were complaining that the beer line was so long. And what do they do? They line up in the line. Yeah. Can't you just watch the rugby league like, without having people, five beers? Yeah, I don't, I don't know if, if... I'm sure all our listeners are very aware of the geography of Leichhardt Oval. Mm. Yeah, um, of course. But, yeah, but there were people... Like, if you're on the 10-metre the line on the ooh, eastern side of the ground... You would have had to walk pretty much... I could do a whole lap of the field to get to where the beer, yeah. the beer vendor was. And people were doing it. They were, <laughs> like, were doing that giant walk and then lining up for, what, 15, 20 minutes or yeah. so to get your, your maximum of four room temperature VBs at $7 each. I can imagine a similar kind of wait time at Allianz on yeah, <laughs> Saturday night. night well, no, the, I was actually, I was at that game, the sold out Allianz game yeah. for Rabbitohs and Roosters, mm. and I was really, really impressed with the way they'd set up for oh, all that okay. stuff. So there was no, um, the beer lines were very, very short. The food really? lines were very, very short because they, they set up outside of the, the stadium, but still within the precinct. Uh, beer, like food and, and beverage vendors. Okay. And they removed the, the turnstiles from the stadium, so you you checked your ticket in as you went into like the precinct, and then you were free to go in and out the stadium of any in any door. Well, nice. that's some clever thinking. Yeah, it was really really good. Shame um, it couldn't have happened in the last however many years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So on the line when they decided to demolish <laughs> it, they worked out how to do it properly. So yay, New South Wales yeah. infrastructure. Um, so after saying that we had some great crowds, which we really did, I just want to also comment that I think the, the games themselves probably fell a little bit flat in mm. terms of anticipated delivery yeah. and, and actual delivery. So the, the Storm uh, Sharks game, I was expecting, I, I don't know what I was expecting, but I knew it was going to be epic. Mm. Like something big was about to go down in Melbourne. It was, whether it was going to be a high-scoring game, a low-scoring game, whatever. I just knew it was going to be full of aggression. Yeah. Um, and whilst I guess there was aggression there, um, it wasn't the right kind, I suppose. It was sub-epic. I think we can agree. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I think the same for the Roosters Rabbitohs game as well. It just—I I was expecting a, uh, some sort of relatively high-scoring, uh, down to the wire, almost golden point mm. game. Yeah. And I mean, all the Rabbitohs points came from penalty goals. Yes. I, I liked that the Roosters did everyone a favour by being terrible at kicking that night, just to keep it interesting. <laughs> yeah. I feel. Like, that was really yeah. good. I, it's rare that I'll compliment the Roosters, but. Well done. <laughs> yeah, it, it Good was, tactics. Yeah. Just to keep the... That Roosters-Rabbitohs game was one of those typical semi-final games that I remember from my childhood that it seems like there are 15 or 17 players on each side. Yeah. Just like, there was no space and yeah. everyone's all on top of each other. There's just so much hype and just so much energy from either team that there just wasn't much room, it seemed. Mm. Uh, but yeah, kudos well, to the Roosters, three tries to love. While we're talking about that, I might throw my reflection mm. inside your reflection, well, yeah. knowing that you've got more to go. Um, my reflection was simply that that first half of that Rooster South game, 
Mm. I think both sides, and you, you'll see it if you go back and look, both sides stopped like playing football and trying to score tries. The object of the first half became to rake the ball out without being seen. <laughs> it turned into a massive rakeathon because one of the Burgess guys got, got raked out Warrior Hargraves without yeah. getting caught. He blew up, and then he raked out somebody else <laughs> next time he was in a tackle. And it had, like three or four times, it went back and forth. Yeah. There was just rakes that, that got called, knock-ons, but were clearly rakes. Mm. And I, I just think it's what a game eh, where you can be in the middle of a game and just decide to play something completely different. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> it was a strange first half, wasn't it? It was quite a few errors. I, I feel like no one really knew what they were like, what they were going to do. Mm. I think they were waiting for, for the, I guess, for the game to show them how they were yeah. supposed to play. And mm. um, yeah, it just didn't. It, unfortunately, it just didn't quite deliver. It did. It did perk up a bit in the second half. That was a, a for me. It was a far superior half. But yes, what overall, I liked, I liked the. This, it's rare that I'll say I like a penalty goal attempt, but mm. the last what two minutes when. South got a penalty, I think, on the 30 or something, and they were eight points behind. That was creative. I was like, yeah, that's right. Take your chances now without that penalty. Like, knock it over and then go for the last-minute try. Unfortunately, they missed, so the game was over. Yeah. Um, but I, had that gone over, it would have changed everything. Yeah, that's the only situation where we can applaud a penalty. Yeah, that was it. And, it, and it, was, it was also like, he just whipped through it. was so yeah. fast. Like, just the, the execution was also mm. um, exciting. It was an exciting setup for a penalty goal, and that is a rare thing that you'll, you'll, you'll get from the PRL, but there you go. That's right. Um, one other takeaway from that game, and I'd like to ask you, your guys' opinion on this. Mm. It was a massive crowd. Um, obviously, it was a sellout, standing room, that sort of stuff. Lots of chants going out throughout the game. Um, but the Roosters fans have... They have an organ... I, I don't go to many, uh, high, many full... And this is not a slide on the Roosters crowds. It's a slide. It, this is just the way rugby league crowds are in Sydney at the moment. I've, it's rare that I go to a really thriving and full uh, Roosters crowd, a game mm. that contains a really, a really strong Roosters yeah. crowd. And they had an organised chant that went like, you know, like clap, 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 something like to some sort of rhythm. Easts. Easts. Now, mm. East is in eastern suburbs. Yeah, Roosters. yeah. A name that that team has not been known by since well, 1998, I think, when they became the Sydney City Roosters. So that's right. 20 years. Yeah. Personally, I don't think they're allowed to be chanting that <laughs> for their team. Allowed is a is a well, I, I just don't think. Term. I mean, uh, for a random, like tragic, you know, relatively old guy hanging yeah. on to to, to East, right. fine. Yeah. But these were we'll call them modern rugby league fans. Yeah. Mm. East should not be in their their like sphere of existence. Right. And I want to. Ta- I take exception with it. <laughs> and I'd like to know what do you what do you guys think? Are there are the fans okay in enchanting Easts? I sorry, I would say yes, they're allowed to, but no, they shouldn't, and not for the reason you're saying, but because Easts doesn't fit nicely, sound-wise, into yeah. any kind of change. I'd like or to something. hear the rhythm. Do you have? Yeah, a, well, did you ever record? I think it was it was do 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 do. East. Ooh, that's oh, right. Bad. I was going to say, what are they rhyming east with? East. All I can think of is beasts. <laughs> that's not bad, actually. Look, my, my position on this is you're allowed to chant, chant east if you were going for east when they were still called east. Oh, so if you started going for them once they were called Sydney City or Sydney, okay. then sorry, you're not allowed to chant. But those who were pre 1998 <laughs> fans, you're allowed to chant. And maybe they get a lanyard. Yeah. So <laughs> I like this that, needs yeah. to be policed. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so. Hopefully security would be on it, but right. hopefully those pre-98 Easts fans, yep. lanyard, you can chant. Everyone else, no lanyard, you can't chant. If you do chant, 
you're out. Well, well I, I, if you're going to stick to that rule, there's going to be some very confused Gold Coast fans <laughs> who are all trying to get this. Like, what are they being? Four, five different things? Yeah, that's true. I, I just see it as, <laughs> as, as I see it as the Roosters having their cake and eating it too. So the the organisation made a commercial decision to change their name for commercial and marketing reasons. But you yeah. might be a they, fan they and get, not they, agree with that. Well, no one's a Roosters fan. <laughs> no, I take that back. I've seen the figures. Their yes. crowd attendances are fine. Um, otherwise, John will take exception with that and give, take me to school. We should do a whole episode dedicated to Jono's... Uh... Wet blankets. <laughs> no, Jono... Jono, Jono fact checks Big Al. <laughs> He's very good at it. Have you got three hours, though? <laughs> uh, but I, I just find then if you're going to make that move to, like, we'll call it modernising, then you don't get to also... Uh, get benefit from the heritage <laughs> so I as a West Tigers fan mm. I can't go to a West Tigers game and chant Balmain yeah. and uh, a, a Wests fan a West Magpies fan can't go to a West Tigers fan a Tigers game and chant Magpies we can oh, both chant West yeah. or Tigers because that's fine not that I want to keep this argument going but it's not really the same thing because that's a different entity yeah. now they've just changed their name but that's it. They've changed their name. It's like changing your sweater. You know, like... Oh, please. I, I went like to work today and I had a sweater on and then I got home and I changed my sweater. No, it's yeah. like if, if, if you change your name to from Jono to Jaleel, right. we, we couldn't chant Jono, Jono, Jono when you were in the races. We'd have to chant right. Jaleel, wouldn't we? Right. That's an interesting point. Yeah. Listeners, what do you think? Yeah. <laughs> Can I just say... In defense of Roosters fans, and I know we're not really talking about this, but and I'm not a Roosters fan by any means, but I'm hearing a lot this week about, oh, Roosters, gee, I hate Roosters, oh, salary cap this, salary cap that. You know what? In all my time as a rugby league fan, I've never actually heard the Roosters being caught being salary cap cheats. All right, so I want to say to these people who keep going on and on about Roosters exceeding the salary cap, enough with the conspiracy theories, give me some proof. That's all I want to say in defence of Roosters. At this time of year, when they're in a grand final, you hear the same old thing, cashed up, cashed up, salary cap, salary cap. I'm a bit tired of it. So I say, give us the proof or quieten down. No, I don't like it. I don't like that at all. <laughs> right. They have just got, they've got excellent uh, outside of... Excellent loophole management, I think, is probably how it Good admin. So I mean, I'm not saying they're out there blatantly cheating, but mm. the, the consistent amounts of talent that they have in that team... Like, people aren't taking that much unders to, to stay, like, with the, the glorious roosters. Well, I mean... But you're right. Show, show me the proof. I mean, this is a conspiracy All right, well, really. stay tuned for Big Al's yeah. investigative <laughs> series. Right. <laughs> true crime, true crime podcasts are hey, very popular. Oh, they are, so they are. So you, you just yeah. wait. <laughs> you just start rifling through some brown paper bags and see what you find. <laughs> That's right. All right, um, we should probably move on because uh, we've been a long way into this podcast and haven't got past the first segment yet. Um, anything in the mailbag that we should talk about? We do have some in the mailbag at the moment. So as we spoke about briefly and as we'll speak about shortly, the Super 8s had an enormous day on Saturday. In response to that, we had Robert from London tweeting in and he was talking about the end of the Super 8s and the Middle 8s specifically. And he said, this is so compelling, the RFL had no other choice but to scrap it. <laughs> nice one. Nice one there, uh, I think he's being sarcastic. That was, that was excellent. Now, Captain Biting. Chaos uh, from Andover. Give us that again. Captain Chaos. Right. He also tweeted us on the Super Saturday. He said, it should also be noted that these are teams from non-Heartland areas. If the Super League and RFL want to maximise TV revenue... They really need to look at presenting league as a vibrant international competition. Yeah, no, no arguments point. from Excellent us. Point there. 
Now, last week we were talking about loop fixtures, and specifically we were asking what on earth they were. What's a loop? We were talking about them to the extent that we wanted to know what they were. Yes. Exactly. So our friend Ian from East Leeds, or Ian X from Leeds, <laughs> he's come through. He's come through with the goods. Now he's really excelled this week on a few fronts because he also solved the riddle of the rugby league museum situation that we spoke about last week. But firstly, on loop fixtures. Now, he said that they are neither well-known or popular in the UK. But the basic premise is that next year there will be 29 regular season games, which is a lot, right? Mm. Uh, which means you play each other home and away. Mm. So that gets to 23 for mm. 12 teams in a Super League competition. That's what they did before they went to Super 8s this year. And then they play some of their op- opponents a third time. That's the loop fixture. So perhaps to close the loop, maybe I'm not sure why it's called. Yeah, the loop. I was going, that's, that was what uh, I was that's what it is. That's the premise. The loop okay. fixtures are they are they deliberately chosen or is it is it random? Do they... I think it's based on positions from the previous season. Perhaps that's what. And so and this is this is sorry this is to fill the gap that is created from not having a super eights system. Yeah, I think they want the same amount of content. But oh, before this they, is this mm. is administrative chucking around. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's fine, isn't it? Like, <laughs> it's loot fixtures. So thank you. What do we do? Oh, maybe it's loot, loot because it's the opposite of having pools. Well, perhaps. Well, but why don't they do that? Hmm. Or like conferences. Well, that's what yeah. the super rates thing was. Wasn't it? <laughs> you have a conference of the top eight. Yeah. Of the middle eight. <laughs> Uh, now, he, he also spoke... Last week we spoke quickly about Rugby League Museum that's going to be opening in Bradford in 2020, and we discussed that. So Ian got in touch about that. He's, he said, in terms of the George Hotel, because we also yeah. spoke about the George Hotel yeah. in Huddersfield, until a few years ago, it housed the private collection of former Penrith hooker Mike Stevenson. He's a famous <laughs> uh, Rugby League figure in Great Britain. Mm-hmm. And he was the guy who actually started the idea of the Rugby League Museum, which they housed in the basement of the George Hotel. Mm-hmm. And when they sold the George Hotel, they, they you know, collected money and bought that collection to keep it yep. for when a new museum opens up. So that's what's happening. So with the George Hotel, it still stands proudly overlooking the square where Huddersfield Station is, but a proposed redevelopment into a dental surgery has not happened yet. So oh, it has been Dental sold. surgery? Really? So, oh, of all oh, things. Well, I, I, looked, I looked into it oh, slightly. Maybe, unless they're going to put teeth back into football players' heads that have had them knocked down. <laughs> Perhaps. Obviously. But I did read into it. I'm not sure the latest there, but it was bought by a Huddersfield dental magnate. I'm not sure if it's turning into... <laughs> a collection of words I haven't heard before. Yeah, that's right. But I, I think he has therefore... He's trying to sell it himself, right. and it's just sitting there getting slowly dilapidated. Well, if, if anyone can give us an estimate in the updated property and land values, yeah. I'd, be, I'd be very interested, yeah. because yeah. you never know. Big Al sitting on his, uh, <laughs> on his pile of money, Scrooge style. He's so ready to invest. That's a that's a great uh, contribution for me, and I, I think we can actually promote him this week to friend, friend of the, the show. show. I was going to say maybe we, this is an ongoing segment. Ian fills in gaps in our. <laughs> yeah, there's a few so, so far this uh, this episode, Ian. So help us out. So that's the mailbag slide. How do people get in touch with us? Uh, via Twitter, um, and not at all via Facebook. And even less at all via email, which is progressiverl at outlook.com. Uh, like, uh, the, despite the prize pool growing every time we talk about it, still no one interested. Oh, actually, sorry, we did get an email. Did we? Yeah, it was from our podcast host just asking how things were going. Oh, so right. um, I'm not going to count. I don't think, I think they'd be surprised to see a 
copy of Sterlow's autobiography yeah, in the mail yeah, to them. Well, I'm definitely not signing it, that's for sure. <laughs> Guys, I have breaking news on how to get in touch with this front. Holy I would like to officially announce the launch of the Progressive Rugby League Instagram account. Whoa! So, uh, it's been going for a while, well, a couple of weeks, with random photos of stuff that I, I suppose I'll try and make uh, more relevant to the things that we talk about. Okay, but it is good. Progressive RL underscore mm. podcast. Oh, on Instagram. So, so you could have taken a photo of that beer line at Leichhardt Oval. Yeah. I example. could have, and yeah. I will, from now on. Every, every beer line that I've seen, I will look, travel look back out in for time. my progressive photographic series of beer lines beer line. at Leichhardt Oval. That's a bourbon grounds. Yeah. That's the mailbag. All right, very good. Well, it's time for that ditty we know so well. Here we go. Slug big gal and me, we like what we see when it comes to French-Canadian rugby 13. I totally missed that because I was waiting for the... Oh, yeah! international. <laughs> I have left out of the harmony and everything. Sorry, everyone. Next week, All watch right, out for the claps. All right, whatever. Uh, I'm going to <laughs> hold that one. I'm going to play that one alongside last week's to oh, see... Good. Does it sound better without me harmonising in there? I'm <laughs> quite paranoid. Anyway, let's get into it. So there's a lot of content to cover here, uh, and it's all English. It's all Super League. It's in English? And it's also, it's also in English. Right, good. Um, oh, sorry, right, it's European. Um, so It's French-Canadian. <laughs> yeah. Not anymore, not after Brexit. English. <laughs> sorry, Canada's not in... Uh, not in oh, Canada. see, well, this, this is what I'm talking about. You can't, get, you can't say anything around this guy without him taking you to task. It's really quite stressful. Sorry, sorry. Wet blanket. Just get it right, is all I'm saying. <laughs> um, all right, so... Normally, I like to include little tidbits about other other um, national teams playing each other in for whatever reason. Mm. But all that content's gone this week because we're going to be focused on the qualifiers. But before we get into the qualifiers, we'll just talk about what's happening in the Super League. Mm. Catalan's Dragons, they finally got a win Yay. against Hull, twenty six to twenty. So that was away um, and a good win for the good win for the Catalan's guys. So uh, it was ten four at halftime. And that means the Dragons won both halves. So Whoa. that's three out of four of the last halves they've played. They've won, which gives them a success rate of, what, 75%? Yeah. So things are on the up and up Coming for Catalans. And there's also a movement for them on the ladder because they're no longer outright last. They're now equal last yet again. So fantastic. well done to the old Dragons there. Can I just add also, you might have seen on the Twitter sphere that the Dragons were presented... At the New Camp, the home of Barcelona FC, they were presented to the crowd at halftime yeah. during the Barcelona Premier League game. They had the Challenge Cup trophy, the crowd going crazy over their, their performance. Wonderful occasion for Catalans. And they're thinking, actually, of so playing a Super League game at the New Camp, which is, holds like 80,000, 90,000 people, yeah. against Wigan next year. Okay. <laughs> what? Where did this come so from? Hang on, hang on. This is true. Well, hang on. Well, So the Catalan Dragons, obviously the Catalan region. The Catalan is, region, yeah, yeah. Obviously encompasses, obviously, Barcelona and the Catalan region of Spain. So they're very proud. And, uh, yeah, apparently there was a, a Barcelona game, I think, 10 years ago against Warrington. They got a good crowd there, so they're going to maybe do it again next year. Now, my, um, my Spanish politics is relatively sketchy but mm. wasn't there some Catalan um, seceding from the, the Spanish constitution uh, yeah well there's the Catalan or like the Valencia region or uh, it's Catalan it's Barcelona that Catalan region they yeah. want to become their own nation yeah. is that still going on oh they definitely still want it okay. to happen so maybe Catalan dragons can get on board that drum up some support hey yeah it's not a bad idea mm. I mean there's how many sporting teams are called Catalan 
Just the one. This part is Please correct us if not. Ian, thank you. Yeah, Ian, fill in that gap for us. <laughs> All right, so we'll move on down to the qualifiers. So as, as John has been going on uh, for most of the podcast, qualifiers is heating up. We had amazing results over the last round. The two sweet babies of the PRL, Toulouse and Toronto, and the local lad feel-good story in mm. the London Broncos all recorded wins uh, in a qualifiers race that's getting pretty intense, friends. So I'm just going to run through the results real quick, uh, and then I'm going to open up the floor to Jono because he is mm. holding himself back because uh, the, quali- the, the qualifiers has become his raison d'etre. <laughs> Obsession. Um, and it's quite appropriate considering the French and French-Canadian stakes of the competition. <laughs> uh, all right, so we've got Halifax uh, got spanked by Leeds, 34-6. to 6. Uh, London beat Salford 11 to 8. Toulouse beat Hull 34 23. And the Wolfpack beat Widners 20 to 12. Can I just ask, do we know when Hull took that field goal? <laughs> yes. <laughs> it was. It was tw- so this is an amazing, amazing game. Amazing performance by Toulouse Olympic. Okay, so they were at home, their last home game of the season. And they were up against a Super League team, a solid Tim Sheen's coached Super League team. And any, any Tim Sheen's coached team is solid. Who took an early lead, twelve nil, kicked a field goal to make it 13 nil. Then that oh, far back. Oh, 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 is that Big Al's field goal theory <laughs> manifesting itself? And then they scored another try to make it nineteen nil. They were nineteen nil down. Then they scored thirty four unanswered wow. points. Thirty four nineteen. Hull scored a late try. <laughs> uh, absolutely amazing performance. So what this means, these results that Big Al's just read out, it means Leeds are on top of the ladder on ten points followed by Salford, Toronto in third, and Hull KR in fourth, all on eight points. In the million-pound game slots at the moment are Hull KR and Toulouse Olympique. Hull KR's um, points differential is something like six. Toronto's is something like 17. So it's pretty close, but at the moment, Toronto have the advantage. Okay, in fifth is Toulouse. Their points difference is zero. Yeah, that's really rare, right, for any team at any stage of a competition yeah. to have, like, a points differential of zero. Well, they should be applauded. Yeah, that's, <laughs> even that, like, happy points differentials. Fans, <laughs> fans of symmetry <laughs> rejoicing in that. The London points differential. Well, plus, also, sorry, they've, they've played six. They've won three and lost three. And the points differential is it's, exactly it's, Wow. That is symmetrical. <laughs> so, Toulouse Olympic at the moment in that million-pound game slot in fifth with a points differential of zero. They have six points. London also has six competition points with a points differential of minus 10. Mm. So it's basically, it's as close as it gets. Now, the games next week, this is how it all unfolds. It all unfolds over four days, interestingly. And the first game is Salford versus Toulouse in Salford on a Thursday night. Okay, Toulouse really need to win this. And we'll talk about more about that later, about why they need to win this. Yeah, can't afford to lose. Can't, thank you. Oh, yes. Leeds versus Toronto. On the Friday night, okay. So Leeds currently on ten. They pretty they're pretty much safe because they've got a good uh, points differential. Uh, London versus Halifax on Saturday night. So London obviously Halifax haven't won a game, so London are heavy favourites for mm-hmm. that. And so that's why Toulouse really need to win against Salford and cause another boil over. What's up with Halifax? Halifax, oh, they're a part time team. Really done really well to get into the the qualifiers. So. Mm-hmm. You know, they're basically making up the numbers. And then in the final game, Hull KR play Witness, who have won one of their last 20, mm. and the only one was against Halifax. So you would think <laughs> Hull KR and London are heavy, heavy favourites so, to get two points there. Now, I would say, obviously, Salford are heavy favourites. I think they get Jackson Hastings back, who was suspended for two weeks, 
previously. Now, I just clarify, he was suspended by the RFL officials, not by his own teammates. Uh, I just want to confirm that, (laughs) unlike what happened in Manly earlier this year. Now, I would say Salford are obviously favourites there. If Salford uh, and Toronto and Hull KR win, this means that four teams end up on 10 points, which means that one of those teams who has five out of seven wins will have to feature in a million-pound game. That is incredible (laughs) and quite cruel. And if London and Toulouse uh, both win, that means that two teams will end up on eight points. And that means one team who has four wins and three losses will miss out on the million-pound game, which is also cruel and amazing. So it's just so many permutations coming up this weekend in the qualifiers, you don't really know where to start. But basically, Toulouse have to win and cause a massive boil over by beating Salford. Uh, Leeds, they're pretty safe, so I, I think they might be able. They they might take the foot off the accelerator. So I wouldn't be surprised if Toronto get that victory, okay. and get to ten points. Uh, then you would think Hull KR will beat Witness and get to ten points. Yep. So it'll be a matter if my predictions are correct. So what are you calling for the Salford game? Well, unfortunately, I'm, I'm probably thinking Salford will probably win that. Yeah. So in that case, there'll be four teams on 10 points, and it'll come down to points differential. At the moment, Hull KR has the worst out of those teams. Yep. So they would be probably hosting London in the million-pound game, assuming London beat Halifax. Now, I don't say this with you know much joy, because obviously... My favourite team in the qualifiers is Toulouse Olympique. I mean, it's hard to separate Toulouse, Toronto, and London. Okay, love them all, but if I have a favourite child, <laughs> it's got to be Toulouse. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it'll be very difficult for them. They basically need to beat Salford and beat them pretty well because you'd think London might be able to beat Halifax uh, semi convincingly uh, in that final round. Yeah. So look. I'm exhausted just thinking yeah. about it. So your your table has Leeds finishing on 10, Salford finishing on 10, Toronto finishing on 10, Hull finishing on 10, and London finishing on 8. That's the top five. Yep. Yeah. That's what that's what I think may wow. happen. And Toulouse just missing out on six. Tragically. I mean, there'll be there'll be tears flowing uh, at my own. My, my girlfriend will tell me to talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> when you wake her at four in the morning. I'll, <laughs> be, I'll be there for you. <laughs> Thank you. But yeah, so amazing... Weekend coming up. We, we've gone on about before, but that what's going on in the qualifiers? Surely that highlights the short-sightedness of the RFL to scrap the concept. Well, I mean, it's it's. I assume they tried to scrap it because what's happened with the top eight? The top eight has been just yeah. A the, dump. Su- the super eights, super eights. Sorry, the, yeah. The super eights. It's it's boring. Meaningless games. Like everyone, anyone outside of the top three, what are they even there for? Yeah, and. They're worried about meaningless games and all that sort of thing, but really having worried 20 about meaningless games, but then they invented the loop fixture. Yeah, mm. having 29 <laughs> regular season fixtures with just the top five and only the bottom team going down, that's a recipe for meaningless games for yeah. the last two months of that season. So, I mean, you're going to get meaningless games. So, I'm, I'm very upset to see the middle eights go. Um, I think they could have, you know, adjusted the super eights by having, uh, you know, resetting the table and doing something. It was really it was a power play by the big clubs. They were worried about um, about well, potentially being yeah. uh, relegated. Yeah. So that's what's happened. We've got to accept. What a real shame. It is a bit of a shame. So that's that's that. What a, what a weekend coming up. Yeah, it's all exciting. 
all very, very exciting stuff. Um, it's a shame that you've got Toulouse just dipping out there. That must hurt for you to say. Look, um, I, don't, I don't know if you heard, but my voice is sort of... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you can tell from the uh, other side, but yeah. I don't like the idea of it, but it may happen. We're going to have to prepare for that, yeah. that scenario. But you know who does like it? Who likes it? Masochistic Jono. Masochistic Jono. Yeah. He's back. That's right. Uh, look, let's wind this up, fellas, with the progressive moments of the week. Um, all right, my progressive moment of the week rolls nicely off of the international update because for the first time in, I'm going to say history, but first time in my memory, uh, the qualifiers has made the Australian mainstream press. Oh, yeah. There's an article about them in the Sydney Morning Herald today. Fantastic. Um, so I'll, I'll just read it out. It's, it's, it's a relatively small, we'll call it a column piece rather, or a mention within a column, but mm. still, <laughs> they're talking about it. Um, headline, Toronto's former NRL stars pivotal in triumph. Did former you? NRL players have played starring roles in promotion chasing Toronto's 20-12 nail-biter win over Widners in the English Super 8's qualifiers. I won't go through the whole article, but it, all, but it mentions uh, former New Zealand Warriors, Parramatta and Canterbury centre Christian Inu Kicked to conversion. Is he playing for the Wolfpack? No, witness. Oh, right. Whew, okay. <laughs> How did I miss that one? All right. Uh, but yeah, I think it's great to see. Like, again, it just shows the, the qualifiers. It makes stuff happen. It's exciting. It's generating mm. publicity. Like, no one in Australia, I hate to say it, but no one in Australia, even rugby league fans, yeah. they don't care about English rugby league at all. Well, no one was thinking Christian Inu. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Um, so it's just great. It's great to see that uh, it's generating enough buzz to, to get column space. Over yes. here. Yeah. So, well done, the qualifiers. We're going to miss you. Oh, yeah. And, and where was that article, sorry? The Daily Telegraph? No, the Sydney Morning Herald. Sydney Morning Herald. Fairfax, right. baby. Good. Excellent. <laughs> Kudos to them to getting it down on print in Australia. <laughs> Look, my progressive moment of the week comes from Wigan, the Wigan Warriors front rower, Tulima Tautai, who I think used to play for Paramount on the wing. Uh, but anyway, he has visited a women's shelter for domestic violence, he and his wife. And they are stepping up efforts uh, because apparently in Wigan, that's one of the centres of domestic violence. It's one of the hot, hot spots of domestic violence in, in the UK. Correct me if I'm wrong, Ian. But um, so they are stepping up and they visited this, these shelters and they are making a public campaign uh, to you know end domestic violence and they're throwing it out there. So well done to Lima Tautai for you know using your name, your good name in Wigan, and your wife to you know. Yeah. To call yeah. out the scourge of domestic violence. Very good. Good stuff. The more that happens with that, the better. Uh, look, my, my one is simply, I don't know how progressive it is to be talking about fate and cosmic alignment and things like that, but don't you think it's something really special that mm. the last game that Allianz ever had was Rooster's South? Mm. Like the obviously it's Rooster's home ground, but South are right there next to them. For, former home ground of South. Yeah, that's former right. home ground of South. So, and the fact that that meant that it could have that crowd in the final game there, I think is pretty special. Yeah, yeah. right. I, I never really considered that it, it could have gone out on, with such a whimper with like a I don't know Warriors yeah. versus Cowboys yeah, exactly. yeah. Final yeah. or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. that's a really good point. So uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know just what had to line up in the in the universe for that to happen. But I think that's a really there's something really special about the fact that that, yeah. that the stadium gets to bow out that way. Yeah. You know, not that yeah. I'm trying to personify a, a, a large stadium, but <laughs> you know, it'd be pretty happy, I reckon, there's, with that. There's been a lot of talk this week about like the history of Allianz Stadium and all that sort of stuff, and I never really fully appreciated 
Like, in my opinion, it's, 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 it was lacking in facilities, but apparently it was done deliberately so yeah. to make it a, a, like an egalitarian um, stadium. Right. So not, not catering for corporates no. or like to just try and have as many um, standardised facilities wow. for all. So what a progressive stadium. Yeah, yeah. there you go. <laughs> it was oh. an 80s labour stadium. That's right. I was taken there as a child to a finals game between Canberra and St George. Mm. And um, unfortunately, my strongest memory is hearing the most racist thing I've mm. ever heard from someone in the crowd. But right. I'm not going to hold that against Allianz. It's not the stadium's fault. Exactly. So, Vale Allianz Stadium, mm. you've done us proud. So, we really, before we end this show, we really should have a bit of a, uh, a preview thoughts on the NRL Grand Final. Yes. What do we think is going to happen? Are you happy with the, the idea uh, of a Melbourne Roosters no, Grand Final? Uh, uh, the only thing that could have saved that matchup for me would be the Kronk versus Kronk Smith, Smith factor yeah. and we're being robbed of it's that as well happen. so I don't well know, like, I mean you never know he might he might show up with a you know casing around his but shoulder but like in, in every grand final there's a team that you can find a reason to get behind so like last year the, the Cowboys coming from nowhere like you know mm. you, you go behind them even when it was Sharks versus Melbourne like I you know I'm not exactly the biggest fan of the Sharks but I was like look you know what it's about time they win yeah. like and I was definitely Five cheering decades I was, of yeah I was years cheering, enough. cheering for the Sharks there's always a, a reason you can get behind one of the teams but the only reason I'll be going for a team in like uh, cheering for one team over another in this one I think will be because it will be it will hurt less to see that team yeah. that I'm cheering for win which which is a negative yeah. kind of support like I don't I don't like to do that no. but I think that's what I might be forced that's to right. do with this one it, it's more a case of who will it hurt to see happy the least? Yeah, and, <laughs> you know I, and, I, mean? and I think for me that's that's it would it hurt it would hurt me to see less to see a continually successful Melbourne. Yeah, it would hurt me a lot more to see a a successful Roosters team. So really? you're on Melbourne. I'm, I'm for Melbourne. Yeah, uh, verbal pride, baby. For me, uh, the the matchup. No one's no rugby league fan seems to be too excited about it, but. What we have to remember is the grand final is not about us. It's not about the rusted on rugby league fan. It's about the casual fan. This is where it's the opportunity for the casual fan to dip in and go, what's this rugby league? Like the Melbourne Cup is yeah. for racing. And I think Melbourne versus Sydney actually is a pretty good uh, advertisement for rugby league for the casual yeah. fan. Because yeah. you think, especially in Melbourne, there's most Melbourne fans, they have a really strong core support base, but most Melbourne fans are casual fans. They mm. dip in in the grand final. So that's a good thing, that there's going to be more of those watching. And also, you can sort of have that Melbourne versus Sydney rivalry, even though it's, as we know, eastern suburbs. And it's just even though they still refer to themselves as East. <laughs> mm, see, can't yeah. do that, can't you, do that. You can, you can build on that in, in places like Melbourne and Adelaide. Adelaide have hosted Melbourne versus Sydney Roosters games over the last two years, so that's another angle for the casual fans. So overall, okay, for us rusted on rugby league fans, there's no romance. We're not overly excited about it. But for the casual fan... I think it actually might come across pretty well. And it's Billy, if Billy Slater gets off, um, uh, then it's his last game. So there's that angle too. So there's a few little angles. But if Slater doesn't play and Cromp doesn't play... Yeah. Look, I'm going to go with Melbourne as well. Mm. Main reason being that there's a, there's a chance that if Melbourne win, Cameron Smith will retire. And that gets him right out of the way <laughs> earlier than expected. So... <laughs> We'll go with that. And also, you know, it's very difficult. You sit here, and my my way of judging it at the moment is picturing players' faces, like, really ecstatic. Oh, yeah. And seeing what is, you know, upsetting me the least. <laughs> so Cameron Smith, I don't want to see him happy. But Aren't you used to it by now? Well, that's what I mean. But then when I put that up against Blake Ferguson with a big happy face, <laughs> I'm going, look, 
better, better the devil you poor, know. <laughs> poor Blake, he's going to the Eels next year. Can't you give him one more night of uh, happiness before he gets Oh, what, you mean? <laughs> this is his only chance to go to grand finals. <laughs> well, he, he was in the 2013 team, wasn't he? The perhaps, perhaps. I think he's one. Um, so we've got these... The, we're, we've just spoken about how it's probably like the most exciting grand final in terms of potential matchups. But I heard a stat today. It really, like, I mean, it doesn't change my excitement levels for this game, but I guess it makes me appreciate the the standard that these two teams have been playing at. Mm. Uh, Fifteen out of the last twenty grand finals have featured either Melbourne or Sydney. That's like, pretty. That's good. pretty amazing. Yeah. And it, maybe it's like fourteen of them were Melbourne and one mm. Sydney, but yeah. still, like, it just goes to show that these these two teams. Regardless of how they may manipulate the salary cap to their advantage, <laughs> allegedly. Well, I mean, Storm were caught and punished. Well, yes, that's they true. lost two premierships, so yes, let's not let's forget definitely that. Definitely see the proof on that one. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yes. All right. Well, next week we'll be here to you know, reflect on the grand final, how it all went, and the week's qualifier action. Mm. So. Bring, bring some Kleenex just in case. <laughs> Either result's going to require Kleenex, is that yeah, right? Tears of joy or tears of sadness. All right. It's emotional. And with that, I'll say bye all. See ya. See you all in Rugby League We Trust.